Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 non-stop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. Looking for the latest on the A's minor leagues? One of the latest additions to A's Cast is The Farm. A look around the minor leagues with interviews, updates, and profiles on the future A's tearing up the minors. Welcome to our A's Farm podcast. I'm your host, AthleticsFarm.com Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty. And today, we're going to be joined by former Stockton Ports Manager and current Supervisor of Player Development for the A's, Rick Magnanti. He just spent this summer coaching in the, for the Vermont Lake Monsters up in the New York Penn League. And we're going to get his insights on some of the organization's youngest prospects who are playing for Vermont this year, including a whole bunch of this year's top draft picks for the A's. Hey, thanks for joining me today, Rick. Hey, Bill, always. It's my pleasure. I know you managed in Vermont before, back in your past managerial days, but you hadn't been up there for a few years. So uh, so how was everything up in Vermont this summer? Well, it's Centennial Field, and Chris Speaker played there, and we played there again this year. So it's an historic spot. Uh, it's got a lot of charm, uh, a lot of good things to say about the area during the summer, the baseball experience, the fans. It, it was great to be back. It was great to be back. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Well, I wanted to ask you about a bunch of the A's uh, young prospects up there. I think half of the A's top 10 picks from this year's draft were playing up there in Vermont this year. Before that, I just wanted to ask you about a guy who a lot of A's fans have gotten to know well uh, recently, and that's uh, Seth Brown. I know you had him on your uh, 2017 uh, Stockton Ports team that you were managing when he uh, led the Cal League with 30 home runs that year. So I was just kind of curious to get your impressions of Seth Brown from when he was playing for you in Stockton and, and what you thought of what you've seen him be able to do uh, in the major leagues so far this year. Well, I think everybody in the organization is, is very, very happy for Seth's success, as am I. I had the pleasure and opportunity to manage him in uh, 16 and 17, and that was a that was a, a tale of two seasons. And Seth came back and repeated the league, and after having uh, probably a, on par average, maybe slightly below by his estimations, of 2016, uh, he really turned it around the following year. And it's a credit to basically his hard work, his determination, and the fact that he is coachable and willing to learn 
and gives an effort that is really in terms of uh, commitment off the charts. So to see him blossom these past couple of years and put up the numbers that players in the 19th round have to put up to get brought to the big leagues because the investment is not in them sometimes, and they have to prove themselves over and above. And he certainly has done that. He has he, he is earned his medal this year, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, he definitely is a guy who wasn't on a lot of people's radars. He certainly wasn't in anybody's, you know, top 20 prospect list or anything. And he wasn't a terribly high draft pick. He went in the 19th round. So I know when you're one of those guys, you've got to work uh, extra hard to just sort of put yourself on the map and uh, get people to, to really uh, notice you and start taking you seriously. Well, I mean, Oregon State, it didn't work for him initially coming out of high school. And he found himself, you know, working in a um, – uh, uh, a gravel yard <laughs> and uh, Jim Kaufman our scout up there had known him forever and talked to him and they he decided he was going to go back to last chance state in Lucid Clark and, and make a run at it and Jimmy knew about him and he had history with him he'd seen the boy he projected what his abilities and strengths might be and we draft him so that's a tribute to Jim Kaufman as well to find somebody like that in a difficult situation in his life and uh, have the faith that this kid could make it and, and, and make it the way he has. So that's another, you know, side story to the Seth Brown story is the man who signed him. So we, we've all had a chance to be around him. We all have the same common opinion about his character, his values, his work ethic, his willingness to sacrifice to succeed. And we all wish him the best. It's just a, a great baseball story. Yeah, there's always a lot of people who uh, who go into those success stories. <laughs> like you said, the scouts are often the the overlooked guys in those stories. But let's talk about some of the guys on this year's Vermont team who were just drafted this year. Uh, like I said, half of the top 10 picks for the A's this year were playing in Vermont there where you were coaching. So I wanted to get your take on them, starting out with, of course, the A's top draft pick this year, shortstop Logan Davidson. I know he got off to a, a slow start the first month or so with the bat. He really wasn't hitting much. But in that last month of the season, he really seemed to, to be rounding into shape. I think he hit around 300 in August for you up there. So tell me uh, your impressions of uh, Logan Davidson this summer. Well, you know, there's always a transition. And I think, you know, your listeners have to understand that when a player comes out of the amateur ranks, no matter what his uh, tools are and his skill set and his makeup, there's there's going to be a transition where he's going to have to make an adjustment to a higher level uh, of baseball that is that is much more competitive. And I think we saw that with Logan initially. He came in and uh, fundamentally he looked extremely sound uh, in all the drills in the cage, on the field, taking ground balls, moving, running. You saw what scouts saw, a chance to have five tools and play in the center of the diamond. That's a pretty good pick and a switch hitter. <laughs> And so, you know, it took him a little while to get on track, but he, again, uh, very receptive to help, uh, a terrific work ethic, a uh, willingness to adjust and uh, try to learn the game as he's, you know, kind of just getting his toes wet. So he did a great job, and I, I see big upside for him. I was very happy to have him on the ball club. And, and good in the clubhouses as, as well as on the field with his teammates and staff. Another guy up there, another uh, hitter in the lineup was the A's fourth-round pick this year, Catcher Kyle McCann, he's a left-handed hitting catcher. He's known for having a bit of pop in college. He also played a lot of first base in college. Kind of made me think a bit of Bruce Maxwell, you know, in terms of being a, 
left-handed inning catcher, you know, with some experience at first base who maybe hadn't played catcher quite so much in his college career. But what did you see out of Kyle McCann during his time in Vermont? Well, I think first, I think your, your assessment, it's, it's a pretty good comp. Uh, Bruce Maxwell and and um, and uh, Kyle McCann, uh, based on what you said, their profiles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say that, you know, uh, one comes from a, a, a more prestigious program, a more high-profile high program, but in terms of evaluating, there's similarities there. And uh, so uh, Kyle, uh, not unlike... Um, Logan came in um, and had to really kind of make an adjustment early on uh, and see that it was going to be a little bit more difficult. And he, too, was was willing to look at some things and and understand the difference in the the amateur and the professional game and try to make some adjustments that might help him as he moves forward. Both players going to instruction league. Instruction league is going to be basically focused on more instruction than competing in games. And so I think he'll be able to make some adjustments down there and experiences of growth that allow him to realize his profile, which is a switch hit and catcher uh, slash first baseman, uh, that should be able to be a dangerous hitter and a productive hitter in the big leagues. Uh, you know, another guy there who really hit well was just out of the top 10. It was the, uh, the A's 11th round pick this year, corner infielder Dustin Harris. He started out the, uh, the year in the Arizona League, hit really well down there, came up to Vermont, seemed like he just hit nonstop for that last month there that he was up in Vermont. What did you see out of Dustin Harris, and, uh, you know, what kind of hitter does he appear to be to you? First, I, I give kudos to uh, Trevor Schaefer, our, our scout, to find this guy at a junior college in Florida. I mean, I, I don't know. You could tell me better. I'm not in scouting for the past few years, but I don't think the JCs are producing a lot of players right, in right. America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. Definitely and not. For him to for him to find this guy, this is one heck of a sign. This is a pretty special young player, and to step in coming out of a JC in Florida, and basically go into the AZL and hit, and then not skip a beat in the New York Penn League, say that maybe a little fatigue at the end, uh, and looking for a position and profiling maybe at first or third as a left-handed hitter with power extremely impressed with his pitch recognition, his ability to get into counts at 19 years old and get two-strike contact or draw a walk. And uh, just very, very happy that we have this youngster in our organization. Uh, I think he's definitely a big leader. Yeah, he's definitely been doing nothing but hitting since he, since he was drafted, that's for sure. A final hitter I wanted to ask you about is a guy who, who didn't come in this year's draft, but he was definitely one of the most productive hitters in Vermont this year, and he was uh, a really good-looking hitter in the Arizona League last year, and that's 19-year-old Colombian third baseman Jordan Diaz. I believe he ended up uh, leading the uh, New York Penn League in, uh, in RBIs this year, was a really productive hitter for Vermont. So can you tell me what kind of uh, talent you've seen out of this young kid that you had up there this summer? Uh, in one word, hit. <laughs> that's what he does. He can hit. He has an innate ability to hit and to think that he had the amount of success also as a youngster uh, in this New York Penn League this year in terms of leading uh, top 10 throughout all the offensive categories from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. Uh, It was just refreshing to see somebody that 
we have an organization that really is a pure bat and that will combine that ability to, to hit with power and with some hard work. And uh, he basically made some some progress. Uh, he'll be an he'll be an adequate fielder. He'll be an adequate fielder. So I think he profiles, and I think the bat really plays. And uh, he had a, one heck of a year, and it was fun to watch this youngster really battle every night with pretty good pitching uh, in this year's New York Penn League. Yeah, just to be able to hold your own at, at the age of 19 in the New York Penn League is uh, quite an accomplishment, and he certainly did more than hold his own there this year, that's for sure. I'm curious, just in general, not referring to any particular hitter, but just in general, at, at this level of the game, when you're encountering a lot of these guys that are just coming out of the draft or just coming into the New York Penn League, what are some of the kind of lessons or issues that you commonly find yourself dealing with or trying to work on or trying to communicate to a lot of these young hitters at this stage of the game? Well, they all come with some credibility. They've all hit. So they've had a modicum of success, okay? But I think the major hurdle that they have to overcome is they have to understand how to be on time and how to recognize pitches so that they can discern whether they will, you know, uh, be aggressive to the pitch or take the pitch. Once the timing and recognition is established, and that is a very difficult thing to do, that's more uh, a kinesthetic move, a, a rhythm to get yourself in position to be as effective as you can when you decide to swing. Uh, it sounds simple, but it's hard. So timing and recognition is the first thing they have to deal with. And then maximizing basically their kinesthetic swing to allow them to cover the field, hit pitches where they're thrown, and drive baseballs that should be driven uh, for extra base hits and home runs. Yeah, you know, it, like you said, it all sounds simple, but um, there's <laughs> there's often a lot of work involved in in working all that stuff out. So uh, I know there's a, there's a lot of uh, a lot of work and a lot of patience that has to be shown with a lot of the young hitters at that stage of the game. Let's talk about a few of the pitchers up there now, because there were uh, three of the A's uh, top ten pitching picks on the Vermont squad this year as well. And uh, right after Logan Davidson, who was the A's top pick, the A's took uh, right-hander Tyler Baum. Very talented young pitcher. He's up there in Vermont. He was uh, he was stri striking out a lot of guys from what I could see. Looks like he wasn't walking too many either, which is always a, a good combination to see in a young pitcher. But what did you see out of Tyler Baum up there this year? Well, we saw him in, in, in limited cameo kind of appearances, two innings to start a ball game, you know, and then handed off to the piggyback guy or the bullpen because we had to monitor his, his, his pitch count and, and his usage. So what you saw was, uh, again, uh, an athletic kind of bodied kid uh, who mechanically looks pretty sound and his arm works easy and the velocity comes out. Um, so that was impressive. Um, he looks like he's got the chance to have that second and third pitch as they develop to give him an opportunity to be that. A rotational type of, of, of pitcher as he moves through, forward in his career. So I think like all the players, there's a transition. And just like the pitching is harder for the hitters, I think you'll find many of the pitchers will tell you that they didn't realize that these guys were better hitters than they faced in college. And that these, as I would say to them, these are professional hitters. 
these are guys in this league that may have two, depending upon their culture, four years of professional experience, and you're coming right out of the amateur ranks. These guys have seen 93, 96 when they were 18. So you too, as a pitcher, have to learn how to pitch and to develop an arsenal because you're facing a stiffer competition as well. Yeah, I, I, you can't just blow them away with the fastball at that point. You, you have to <laughs> you have to learn to do a few other things and just throw hard, right? Correct. Correct. Now the A's uh, sixth round pick was another right-hander, uh, Seth Schumann, and uh, it looks to me like he's not so much of a of a power pitcher, maybe more of a kind of a ground ball guy, puts the ball in play. But he seems like he's he's got a lot of command, and uh, you know is kind of you know a bit more of a a pitcher type uh, than just a thrower at this stage of the game. I would say that your assessment is correct. Um, he has a mix. He repeats his delivery. He's got a little side-to-side angle uh, movement to his baseball when he, when he spins it. Uh, he knows how to compete. He stays around the zone. Uh, he can pitch a little bit. That, that would be his forte, yes. Absolutely uh, it, correct. I know, you know, he's one of those guys that doesn't put up big numbers but seems to get the job done, at least in, in, in from what I can see anyway. And then in the ninth round, the A's took another right-hander, uh, Colin Palouse, Again, looked like he was putting up some pretty good strikeout numbers up there at a low ERA, so it seemed like he did a pretty good job of getting the job done. But but what did you see out of him, and what kind of pitcher do you see him profiling as? I think he was a pleasant surprise. Uh, he's 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 a physical kid. He, he's he's a prototypical six three six four right-handed pitcher that kind of comes right at you and stays on line competes velocity-wise with, with the fastball and has some sharp, tight action on his breaking ball. He pitched extremely well. Uh, I, 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 I could project him certainly up the ladder very easily as he learns how to pitch and, and just fine-tunes uh, his repertoire. But uh, he did a really good job, very, very good. Well, the A's have done a good job of picking guys in the back end of the top 10 recently in terms of uh, guys like Parker Dunchy and Brian Howard, you know. So they've shown the ability mm-hmm. right. to, pick, to pick up some talented arms at, at that stage of the draft. Uh, let me ask you about a couple a couple of young Dominican pitchers up there as well who are, are kind of intriguing. And one is Richard Morbound. He's a 21-year-old right-hander. He probably pitched more innings uh, for you there in Vermont, uh, you know, pitched more like a typical starter as opposed to these guys coming out of college where you're trying to limit their innings. And, uh, you know, he had a good ERA, struck out a lot of guys again. What did you see out of uh, him this year in Vermont? I would say first that he was our best pitcher, uh, certainly in, 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 in a starting role. He was our best pitcher. Uh, he, he was ready. His innings were built up. Uh, he's had experience. Um, it, last year, it, command was the issue with him. This year, command was not the issue, and it, and, it, and it reflected in his numbers. So, again, there's three pitches. He throws them for strikes. He can throw fastballs and breaking ball counts and breaking balls and fastball counts. He can miss bats, and he's got some upside to him. He's got some upside. The, the velo continues to, to spike a little bit and stabilize, and everything gets a little sharper and a little better located. He can pitch. Yeah, he did a great job. Great job for us. Uh, another uh, interesting young Dominican uh, right-hander on the staff was your closer, Jose Mora. And, you know, just looking at his numbers, it's really interesting. You know, he notched 11 saves for you. He had an ERA of uh, 230. 
and he, I think he threw 27 innings. He struck out 47 guys, which is which is a lot. And he only gave up eight hits in those 27 innings, which is pretty impressive. Of course, he walked 15 guys, so obviously he's not always sure where his ball is going. But but he certainly, from the numbers anyway, seems to have the ability to fool a lot of guys when he when he's on. So I'm I'm curious to get your uh, firsthand take on uh, Jose Mora. Um, I was impressed by this season. And as well, he did a great job for us. There's a little history to him. He was in the league the year before as a starter and struggled. And so they decided they would make him a bullpen guy this year and send him back. And I think he just embraced that role. He felt a lot more comfortable in it. He could really let the fastball go. He could really throw that, you know, um, that, that hard breaking ball, that, that swing and miss late in the game and get chases. Uh, and he really blossomed, and uh, he had a tremendous year for us, and I think there's lots of upside for him as well. I can see him pitching at higher levels in the back end of bullpens, showed some poise, um, doesn't have, didn't have to overthink it as he might as a starter having a real five-inning, 75-pitch, 100-pitch game plan and attacking hitters over and over. I think he felt much more comfortable going out there just letting the arm uh, – do what it does, trust it, and really throw some wipe wipeout type breaking balls and get some big outs for us. Yeah, I mean, when you see a guy striking out 47 and giving up just eight hits in 27 innings, you get, you got to figure there's something something there to work with. Before I let you go, I want to ask you about one last guy who was there in Vermont for sure. for a little while before he got bumped up to Stockton, and that's left-hander Hogan Harris. Uh, he was the ace third-round draft pick uh, last year back in 2018. He came into camp uh, with a sore elbow, didn't end up pitching last year at all for the A's, was really off the map for a bit. But this year he came back with Vermont, looked very good there for you, and then he went up to Stockton and, and continued to look very solid for Stockton. So I'm just curious what your impressions were of Hogan Harris while he was there with you and what kind of future you see uh, for him in the A's system going forward. Well, I, I think his future looks bright. Uh, he, he finally got out a year after being in some kind of medical hiatus and he took the ball and uh, he used all four of his pitches and they're all for strikes and they all grayed out. They passed the litmus test. So his, he hones his craft. He learns how to pitch. He's a finesse lefty. Uh, there's a chance that he pitches in the rotation, the big leagues. He did a really good job for us. I like his poise out there. I think mechanically he can get tightened up a little bit. Uh, and, and that may help his, his consistency and his ability to locate more. Uh, but I thought he did a very good job in Vermont for us. Yeah, after being missing in action last year, it was great to see him back out on the mound and pitching well and doing a good job in the A's system this year. He was a third-round pick, like I mentioned, so obviously he's got some talent in that, that left arm of his, and hopefully he'll be moving forward uh, rapidly in the future as well. Well, thank you so much. I always appreciate talking to you and getting your take on things. I feel like we know a whole lot more about some of these uh, these A's young prospects who were toiling away in, in Vermont this year. Always good talking to you. Thanks so much for taking the time out to chat again today, Rick. My, my pleasure, Bill. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks to all of you out there for listening to this edition of our A's Farm podcast. Be sure to check back in for the next episode. And don't forget that you can always find daily updates on the A's top prospects and all the daily action in the A's minor league system on our A's Farm website at athleticsfarm.com. That's athleticsfarm.com. 
Thanks again. I'm Ace Farm Editor-in-Chief Bill Moriarty. We'll see you again down on the farm. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.